Well, hey, I'm really, really excited as you, if you've been tracking with us, I'm Chad, by the way, for those who are, might be new, and, and uh, for, the, for the seeker, the skeptic, or the seasoned believer, you are all welcome here. Amen. Jesus knows the way to find each of us. Amen. Um, before I get going, one of our main emphases this, uh, this month and the next few weeks is to make it available for every single person in this room to be in a community group, a smaller context where they can know Jesus, read his, read his word, pray for each other. I came up with four B's this last couple weeks where we break bread, bind up the brokenhearted, build up in our faith, and we bless to go be God's people in the world. So four B's, break bread, bind up, build up, and bless. Say it with me. Break bread, bind up, build up, and bless. And one of those awesome leaders that I've just grown to really, really love um, in the Lord is uh, Brother Charles, Vaughn Hammerstein. Did I get it? Tell me, did I get it? How do you, come on, come on up, give it up for uh, Brother Charles. He's, uh, come on up. Come on up, come stand with me here. And funny enough, Tristan and his wife Kim, I went out, you can hold that, I went out to their, uh, their uh, school out way out in Los Olivos, um, and Tristan's like, hey, Pastor Chad, you know it'd be really cool if we started hearing from, from more and more people in our church, kind of a little bit of their story, and so here we are. After that inspiration on Wednesday, I'm like, I'm bringing Charles up and uh, just going to ask him a few questions. I'll stand over here because my mic's picking up that mic, just so we're safe. But Charles, tell us just a little bio, how you got here. Charles is leading one of our Santa Maria community groups. That's why I'm bringing him up here. I've grown to just really love and respect him as a pastoral figure, as a teacher, a humble Christ-like servant. That's really who this guy is and his lovely wife and family. And so just tell us, where'd you come from? What are you doing here? Go. Thank you. Thank you all for just a warm welcome. And it's been a blessing to get to know you. So it's Vaughn. Vaughn. Vaughn Hammerstein. Vaughn Hammerstein. Okay. Say it with me. Vaughn Hammerstein. And that's the last time you ever have to say that. Charles is great. <laughs> Charles. Charles. Okay. So uh, I'm actually from Cal uh, Santa Maria. I actually grew up here. Um, and I left to go to college thinking I, to be honest, would never come back. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I just had, you know, big dreams to make it in, uh, as a, I thought it'd be a scientist, all kinds of things. And anyway, so God got a hold of me in college, and uh, I, he took me to the Bay Area, San Jose, uh, where I did become an engineer, software engineer. A uh, lot of things have happened. I've been saved for 42 years, hmm. and it's been my desire from, from the very beginning um, to, to just be a student of the Word of God. And so one of the things that you had asked me is, what, what do I love? What do I really love? And I'm intense about the Word of God. Uh, I just love it. If you give me, you know, if I get thrown on a desert I island, as long as I got the Word of God, I, I can spend hours there. Now, of course, I miss people. but uh, uh, So that, that's part of um, who I am uh, or, or what moves my heart. Mm. And one of the things, can I? Oh, go, man. I, no, I'm good. I'm happy. Um, so the reason why the Word of God is just so precious to me is, number one, because I believe it's the voice of God, that He speaks to us through it. Yeah. Mm. And it, it, when I have, there are a few times in my life when I got frustrated with God. I have to, mm. you know, always be honest. Amen? And I, I, I said, God, I can't, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't, 
because I was so disappointed um, in something that happened the way I thought it should go, and it didn't go that way. And you know, God works through brokenness, and that's mm -hmm. why I really appreciate you talking about that last Sunday. That walking with Jesus is easy, and it's so hard sometimes. Yeah. Um, because we have hopes, we have dreams, we have things that God really wants to do in us, and and my timing is today and yesterday, um, and God's timing is, we'll see, we'll see about it, Charles. We'll see about it. Um, one of the things that, that that brings up something, and I'm, I hope I don't go too over, I'm sorry, is he told me one day when I was praying on the couch, before I was ever married, and this ended up affecting my wife, um, I said, God, show me the difference. I, I'm reading your word, Lord, and I read the book of Acts, and I read the book of Acts, and I see one thing, and then I look at the church, and it, it didn't match for me, I have to be honest. Um, and still sometimes I wonder, Lord, why, why do I see it this way in the scripture? And, and why is it like this, you know? And I, I was just crying out to God and he said, Charles, I'm going to take you to Africa. And I'm going to show you the difference between American Christianity mm. and the kingdom of God. Mm. Wow. I was like, are you sure? I, I have to be honest. I had no desire to go to Africa at all. Never even entered my mind. I was like, okay, do we have to go over there to learn this? And um, so, but I, so I waited and waited. And I, I have to tell you, I, I wish I could tell you three weeks later, I ended up in Africa. But it was 12 years. Wow. For 12 years, I never knew how God was going to fulfill it. I just knew what he said. And like, Lord, are you sure? And uh, one of the places we were, uh, I was attending at the time, um, they didn't really even do missionaries. The missionaries they had were only outside the church that they, so to speak, adopted or befriended. So there was like no path in the place I was. And then miraculously, God took me out of there and put me in another place. And their vision was, guess what? W was not only missions, that they wanted, they wanted everybody in the congregation to eventually uh, enjoy a short-term mission. Um, their, their play, they, they worked in the Philippines and they worked in Kenya, Africa, right? I went, oh, okay. So three years later, um, I'm there and I get this call that, that from the leader there. It says, Charles, um, the person who was supposed to be going on that trip, he can't go. Do you want to go? I'm like, I didn't have to think about it because I'd been waiting for so long. And I, I thought, I'm not going to wait another 12 years, you know? So I said, I'm in, right? And, of course, now I had to tell my supervisor, um, and, of course, now the pressure comes. You know, and I, want, and I say this not because I want you to think about me. I want you to think about your own life. That God wants to do something incredible in every one of your lives. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that there's no one unimportant in God's economy. I believe that every one of you is special and precious and beloved in the Lord. And that the only reason he gives us, does something special, you know, or, or what we think is special in one person's life is because he wants to encourage others that he can do the very same thing or sometimes even better in your life. And so now I go to my boss and I say, I, uh, I, I, I need to go to Africa, <laughs> right? And I'd never talked to him about this. And, and of course, it was during the, the December, which for that company, that was their busiest time. And, and you want to know what my supervisor said? He said, no way, you can't go. So, uh, you know, I, I go back and I said, well, God, that wasn't what I was expecting to hear. And so I, 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 uh, I said, what do I do? And he says, go to his boss. So I go to his boss, right? And I tell him the same story. And he says, you know, Charles, we can't let you go right now. And if you go, I don't know if you'll have a job when you come back. And God just gave me this great peace. And I, I pray that every one of you will come to know the peace of God in doing his will. 
And I looked at him and I said, I said, I said, it doesn't matter if there's a job when I come back. I've waited 12 years for this and I know this is what God's called me to do. I said, just know one thing, when I come back, I'll bring you a gift. <laughs> That's what God put in my heart. And, and, uh, and so, um, God did. He, sh he showed me some incredible things in, in Kenya, and so that's a part of my life. We would still be there other than um, God uh, moved us out. You know, you don't always get to stay the places you love the most. Um, and uh, so I just wanted to encourage you that um, uh, follow, uh, let the Lord uh, touch your heart and lead you. Uh, realize that, that he doesn't, he's not on our time scale. He's got his own time scale. So sorry for going so long. All right, hold on. Okay, can we just say thank you for this story? Hold on, hold on, hold on. What I want you to do is pray for us. To some, it might be Africa. To some, it might be going further at their workplace. We know it's not a one-size-fits-all. As you said, it's about the word and then the voice of the Lord to hear and obey. But can you just pray just that confidence that we, too, like you, can hear from Jesus and we can step out in obedience and have that peace as well, even with, when it gets tough and there's obstacles. Can you just pray that for our church? Go for it. Heavenly Father, thank you for each and every person. I pray that they know that if you are able to save them and you are able to be their God, then you have a purpose for them. And it's precious in your sight. And Lord, every one of us is called to build up the body of Christ, and to love Jesus as his bride. Lord, I, I think of my own wife and what she's done in my heart and how much I love her, and I know that you love each of us more than that. So, Lord, I pray for each one of us to, to learn more about hearing the voice of God, learn about loving the word of God, because that's the beginning of where you speak, and, Lord, that we can trust you. Lord, that even though we have desires, Lord, it was a long time before I got married, and yet you were faithful it was a long time before I saw the fulfillment of Kenya, Africa. And yet, Lord, you're faithful. So, Lord, help us to realize that you, we are, as Paul says in Ephesians, the workmanship of God in, created in Christ Jesus for good works that you've prepared in advance for us to do. Help us to realize that as that word is poema or poem, that you're writing us, oh God. You are writing on our heart. And help us, of course, to have that soft heart in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you so much. So you can see why I love him so much. And, and uh, thank you, Brother Charles. Charles is going to be right out in the lobby to field questions. If you live in Santa Maria or Orchid, um, I believe Thursday nights, but he had a little bit of flexibility. This is one of our groups that is meeting. I think we have seven different groups now. If you go to our website and click the join a group, and you're welcome to explore. Just click a link and a link and you're emailing. Email the office if you're looking to get more connected. Does everyone know what to do if they want to get connected? Give me a thumbs up. At the very least, email the office, hello at radiantcentralcoast.com. If you're like, I don't know, at least do that and we will help facilitate some sort of kingdom connection. All in favor, say amen. Before we get on, sorry, I got to do it every week or the, the board and my team would fire me. Uh, we got to do the giving declaration. It ain't church until we worship with our time, treasure, and talent. Amen? And so let's, uh, this is one of my favorite things to do every week. I'm not kidding. It's not just repetitive words. These are, 
It's a confession that we're all aiming at to grow in generosity like the Father. So let's, let's speak this together. Holy Father, there is nothing I have that you have not given me. All I have and am belong to you, bought with the blood of Jesus. To spend everything on myself and to give without sacrifice is the way of the world that you cannot abide. But generosity is the way of those who call Christ their Lord, who love him with free hearts and serve him with renewed minds, who withstand the delusion of riches that chokes the word, whose hearts are in your kingdom and not in the systems of the world. I am determined to increase in generosity until it can be said that there is no needy person among us. I am determined to be trustworthy with such a little thing as money that you may trust me with true riches. Above all, I am determined to be generous because you, Father, are generous. It is the delight of your daughters and sons to share your traits and to show what you are like to the world. Amen. Amen. So if you want to give in person, there's baskets right there um, as, as you exit the door. And do you have that slide, Justin, that I've shown for several weeks? Uh, everyone get your smartphones out. I'm trying to train you all, people. Come on, just humor me for 20 seconds. Throw your phone up there. Scan it. Lock it in. Hit the top bar. Man, that's really cool, Pastor Chad. I can fill out a Connect card. I can join a team. I can give online. Ooh, that's cool. I can submit a prayer request and even download a devotional that I wrote through the Gospel of John. Sweet. Everyone say sweet, and I'll move on. So that's just an easy way to connect as well, just doing the best that we can to make connecting and contributing to the life and ministry of the church um, easier for you. So community group, Brother Charles, after the service, he's going to linger, and you can connect that way. Number three, this Wednesday night, this Wednesday night, everyone say this Wednesday night, we are very expectant and excited. We are going to do a introductory training and activation on how to grow in confidence to pray for each other. No one starts good at it, but we all can grow until we see Jesus' face. Amen? And so what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14... Above all the spiritual gifts, it literally, it really does. It's not pitting one over the other, but Paul is not pulling punches here. Over all the spiritual gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, for the church to be built up, encouraged, edified, and exhorted, pursue the gift of prophecy so that the church is encouraged, edified, and exhorted, built and strengthened. And prophecy is simply put to hear God's voice and then to share and to show God's heart to those that you hear God for. We do this all the time when you're with somebody and you're just like, Lord, speak to me for 
Tristan. I listen and then I pray. It's just super, it's super, it's not complicated, it's not for the spiritually elite, it's for every son and daughter. And in Joel chapter 2, Jesus, Joel the prophet said, in the last days I'll pour out the spirit, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. They will hear my voice, know my heart, and release it to those around them. And church, we want a church that is exhorted, edified, and encouraged. And so central to that is that we would all grow in confidence to be able to pray and prophesy according to the scriptures for the strengthening of our brothers and sisters. Does that make sense? We'll go way more in detail, but that's at 6.30 this Wednesday night. If you're even curious, barely curious, come. We won't make you do anything if you don't want. You can just come here and receive ministry, but we're all going to grow together. Amen. So, Father, as we open up your word, I'm so thankful, as Brother Charles has already shared, God, just thank you for the word, that it's unchanging. I thank you that Peter said that the the, the word is the living word that will never perish, spoil, or fade. And in in particular, we thank you for the the gospel word that has power to save, set free, heal, and deliver. And so would you right now just come upon us as our teacher, as the one who guides us and leads us into all truth, that we could know you and love you and love others well through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, we all said Amen and amen. So open up your Bibles, please, with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to just go right on in here together, starting with verse 17. Peter's already told the exiled people who have no safety net, they're ostracized, marginalized in their culture, that they have a living hope and internal inheritance that they may be rejected by their peers, but they're chosen by God the Father. He's already told them that they're recipients of what the prophets have looked forward to for hundreds, yea, thousands of years through the revelation of Jesus, his cross, and his coming kingdom. They've already found out that even though they're scattered and exiled, that together they form the holy nation of God. They're the peculiar chosen people. That even though they feel the squeeze from the pressure outside and the pressure within to compromise, that everywhere they gather, they form the spiritual house, the temple of the Holy Spirit. That even as they're scattered from home, waiting for Christ to come and to finish what he began, that God the Father knows their address. We just read a few weeks ago that the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears hear their prayer. So Pastor Peter is just encouraging, encouraging, encouraging whatever you feel, the battle that swirls around and that swirls within, God knows your address. Picking it up in verse 17, for it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. That's where we left off last week, and I'm going to keep reading. For Christ also suffered once for sins, 
the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. I'm going to keep reading because it's all connected. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, everyone say body, arm yourselves with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they don't live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry, and they are surprised that you don't join them in their reckless, wild living. And so they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead. So that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body. But live according to God in regard to the spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Can we say thanks be to God? Now, this passage, I'm not even going to be able to scratch the surface. This passage has some f- crazy stuff, like Jesus preaching in prison to imprisoned spirits during Noah's day. The great reformer Martin Luther is like, in one of his commentaries, I don't really know what to do with this passage. That's the great Martin Luther, by the way. And I don't claim great as, I'm not on par, I'm not as equal Uh, with him. The lights under the balconies went down. If you want to put them back up for people for their Bible, I love you. So it's it's an interesting passage, but it's easy to get stuck in the the weeds and to lose sight of the overall scope. And I want to keep us on the overall scope. Who is Peter writing to? A persecuted, marginalized, pushed in a corner, no, like no safety net. They feel alone. They feel like even in their suffering, like is, is abstaining from sin really? Come on. If you're suffering and not having fun like your wild living friends, that's like a double ouch. So just remember, he's pastoring people, real people who have real pressures, who came out of pagan lifestyles where they lived by the flesh. They're now choosing to walk in the righteousness that is theirs in Christ. And some of them are starting to lose their life. They're certainly being squeezed from their colleagues at work, maybe within their own family. We just read it like 20 verses earlier. Between husbands and wives, there's division because some wives are coming to Jesus and husbands are still out with, you know, all of his mistresses. So it's this messy, everyone just say it's messy following Jesus, not just in the first century today. 
And so, yes, we're going to go. But here's what, here's what I, the big idea here. Peter constantly, like all of the apostles, they constantly hold up the narrative arc of Jesus, his, his incarnation, his life, his ministry, his miracles, his teachings, his death, his resurrection, his descent, his resurrection, and his ascent to the right hand of the Father. This narrative arc that Peter has now done on multiple occasions in this little letter, he's like, the narrative arc of Jesus is now your storyline because you're in Jesus. In other words, so many of us, we give crummy answers to, to, to compl- complex situations and we just like, you know, it's going to be all right. Now, I'm thankful for that advice if it is going to be all right. But sometimes we suffer. We already said it last week. Sometimes it ends in death. Sometimes it's difficult and there's a grind. Sometimes when you choose what is right, it doesn't go well for you in the short term. This is just real talk. What we need in that moment is the narrative arc of Jesus held before our face to go, even when it doesn't temporarily go my way, we serve the God who raised his son who will raise us with him at the end of the age. And so I love, I love the Apostle Peter. He's like, your story, because you're in the one who died for the unrighteous, the only righteous one, to bring you home to God. Now that you're home in God, even in the messiness of working out what does it mean to follow Jesus in the real stuff of life, your story is now forever intertwined and bound up with his story. So yes, Hades and... Noah and suffering, that's a hard passage. Who's he preaching to? Like to the, the what is this? I, can, I have some ideas, and so do really smart commentators. But does everyone get the, the main flow of this little story? He's, he's encouraging, righteousness is worth it. Don't listen to the accusations. Don't go back to the same flood of dissipation. Don't, don't give in to the abuse. Why don't you party like you? Why don't you do what you used to? Why don't you... Just, why don't you just, come on, accommodate and then assimilate. And before you know, you, you're an apostate. You've denied the faith. No one wakes up one day and goes, I'm going to full-on renounce. It is a slow, incremental, compromise, slow, sinking. Until what once was, as we were in Christ, can become No discernible difference between those who claim the lordship of Jesus and those who live like pagans. And how, amen, that is the truth. And it's a crummy, what he's getting at is, that that is like super crummy. Like the most miserable people on the planet are not just the wild, crazy pagans. It's believers who know better but still live like pagans. Because now you've got the spirit who's like, I'm envious, James chapter 4, on the inside of you. I don't want to share you with the world, but you're still living in the messiness of it. And so those, those people, us, can often be the most miserable because we know better and we know there's a better story. And that's, the, that's the whole point of chapter 4. Like, if you're suffering for your faith, you're done peddling around in like the side hustle of sin. Because you're paying a price for your faith. That's what he's getting at. If you're suffering in your body, good chance that if you're going to go that far to confess and claim the lordship of Jesus, you're probably not going to have a side hustle called like compromise or like an addiction. Or you, you, and this, so this, it's all tied. So let's just, that's the big picture. 
Now let's just briefly go through a couple of these passages. We all know verse 18, I shared it last week. I didn't get to unpack it that much. But suffice it to say, it's worth your memory. It is in one sentence an easy moniker for the gospel. There's some things left out, but it's pretty good. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. How many would say that one verse might be worth our memory? What's the gospel all about? Oh, Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring us home, to bring us back to the Father. And here's what it says. After he was put to death, he descended into Hades. We know if you read Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 through 15, don't go there. We also know through Revelation 1, 16 through 18, that when Christ descended, something happened for those three days. Now, some commentators think the spirits that he's preaching to are literally the humans that died in Genesis chapter 6 through 8 when the floods came. It's not a bad, that's what some very, very smart people think that means. Number two, some people think that, that, that Christ was present with Noah when Noah built an ark for a hundred years and he was preaching through Noah, repent, turn, because flood's coming. So some, some read that as this, that Christ was present through the, ministry, through the life and ministry of Noah. Some think, this is the last one, that the spirits he's talking about that he preached to who disobeyed, who were trapped in prison... Where the Genesis chapter 6, the, 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 the spirits, the angels that fell and began to mingle. It's really wild. I don't have time to unpack it. It'd be a great whole series, the weird passage of the Bible series. Because this is like top of the shelf, weird, gnarly passage. I, don't, I just have to scratch it and move on. But he's preaching to the rebellious spirits who intermingled with the daughters of men. They're called the Nephilim. You can go read it in Genesis 6 and just don't, you, you can YouTube it, it's funny, it's wild stuff. Whatever happened, Christ was not just hanging out for three days when he was in the belly of the earth, like, like Jonah was in the belly of the whale. Something's happening, and what, what Peter's getting at is, even when it looked like he lost, he was winning another battle, even when it looked like, oh, he suffered, he died, he descended, bummer. Even in death, Jesus is winning battles. Even when you're going down and it's hard and it's difficult, if you're aware of who he is, who I am in him, and who I'm becoming in him, you can experience victory even in the darkest, loneliest, off the beaten path, no I can see you place. I love Ephesians chapter 4, verse uh, 5 through 9, where it says that he who ascended is the very one who descended in order to fill the whole universe. And so what I love about Peter's passage here, to those who feel stuck, like they're being pressed down by Rome and by culture and by the flesh and by their contemporaries, their peers, their con even their own family. He's like, Christ has gone all the way down and even further down from any place that you've been. And the beautiful thing about this passage is in that place, he has made a way for you, for a clear chain of connection. I love that. Because Christ has gone, and he, listen, because Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. So there's the way, the truth, and the life. No matter what you face, there is a way in Jesus Christ. I just picture it as like a tunnel. He's dug a tunnel. So whatever you're facing, if you look up and look out, look at him, there's a way. Keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on him. Say it with me. Keep your eyes on him. 
So why Noah? I love this. Many commentaries, you can just go read it, really smart guys and gals. Why Noah? Why would he pick the story of Noah to unpack a point? Well, remember, the believers are few in number at this point. They're not tens of millions yet. That's later on in the 300s and 3 to 400s A.D. I love that he picks... First of all, the narrative arc of Jesus, you're suffering, he descended, he, I love Colossians, he stripped the principalities, the spiritual forces that, that, again, we don't live in the same world the first century, everything they believed was spiritual. There was a demon, there was a principality, there's an angel, there's a war in the heavens. Many, our generation, it's like all that we see is, I already preached that last week. But for them, there was a cause behind the cause and spiritual realities. And Jesus is saying, whatever cause is behind the cause, Jesus has conquered it through his death and resurrection. That's what the point of this passage is. But look at this. When God waited patiently in the days of Noah, can you imagine the, 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 the battering slander that dude faced for a hundred years? What are you building you're 500 years old, dude. And, and many scholars believe at that point there was never rain from heaven. It was, if you read the passage in Genesis 6, the, the waters broke forth. So no one had even probably at this point in Genesis 6 even seen rain fall. He's like, dude, rain's coming. They're like, what's rain? Why are you building a boat? Imagine the price dude pray, paid for maybe 100 years Charles, out of faithfulness to God's word, I found favor in you. Imagine what comfort it would be if you're a believer in the first century, yay, in the 21st century, that every time you hold fast to the word and promises of God, through your faithfulness to his faithfulness, you're building an ark for others to withstand the judgment and the storms that are coming, so stay faithful. Imagine if, you're, imagine if you hear that, you're in exile, you're pressed, you have no, in culture, you're like an ant to be crushed, but you're in Christ, so you have the authority and the power of heaven, and he's like, just like Noah built an ark because God said to build it, even though he withstood, no doubt, unbelievable headwinds and accusation from his generation, imagine if every city had an ark because the people of God said yes to the call of God, no matter the cost. What if every family was an ark in every neighborhood? Come on. God waited patiently in the days of Noah. And friends, I want to say God's waiting patiently in our day. But there is a day, we just read it in verse 6, of judgment that is coming. So be ready. What ark is God calling you to build? What thing, as Brother Charles pointed out, that thing that he's telling you to put your hand to, to put your energy behind, your, your obedience to, in that obedience to that word, it creates a space and a place of God's peace, of God's shalom, of God's salvation. And I love it, man. I love Only a few people, eight in all, were saved. Imagine these believers in these little house churches what, they got pushed away from home because they were believers. Man, only eight. What could he do through us who are set apart for his purposes, who are sharing in the storyline of Jesus, even when it gets tough? He saves you, he ends, he descends, he dies, he descends, he preaches, and then he's raised up 
at the right hand of the Father with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. And I want you to know that is, a, that is as my, one of my mentors, Pastor Corey Jones, says, the ascension of Christ is one of the most neglected realities of our theology. Friends, he's not waiting to reign someday. Jesus Christ currently reigns at the right hand of the Father. The jury is not out. Who is Lord of heaven and earth? There is one named Jesus the King, Israel's Messiah, who through death and through descent, stripping of principalities and powers, whose blood covered and atoned for sin once and for all, was resurrected, trampled on the face of the enemy, the demonic, all that is evil and causes death, darkness, and decay. And he triumphed in resurrection and ascension. He was raised and ascended and sat. His work was finished and he's continuing listen this is a part of the good news when you're facing it we have to understand i love it we you know the from and for we're not praying for victory we're praying from victory is it, you don't understand the difference jesus i'm praying i'm sharing currently in your victory and whatever I'm facing at work or in my relationships or in my body or through a habit I'm trying to break free from or a sin, I can't just, it seems like it has a hold on me. When we pray in that battle, we're not praying, God, I sure hope you have what it takes to help me here. No, we're praying, God, I thank you. I'm confident that whatever I need is found in you. Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father currently. The man, Christ Jesus, with angels, authorities, and powers. Again, first century world, the big three that caused everyone to live in fear. What God's mad? What, what principality or demonic or power? And he's preaching a gospel word. Whatever you're facing in the pantheon of Rome's gods, Jesus Christ is over angels, authorities, and powers. They submit to him. They're under him. And he goes on in chapter 4. We'll just make quick work. We're doing really, really great. Therefore, why is there therefore, 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 therefore is therefore, for the therefore. I couldn't say it. What's the therefore, therefore? Say that with me. What's the therefore, therefore? Well, what came right before that's what it's there for. And so he continues. Look, I, I, this is going to be quicker work. He continues. The narrative arc of Jesus, the suffering of Jesus, the descent, the resurrection, the ascent, his supremacy and sufficiency. He goes back to his suffering. You see what Peter does. He just keeps bringing back. This is, man, if we could teach each other to do this, if we could keep bringing the conversation back to Jesus, man, we would be better off. Right? And so it's like, but he just got done talking about everything's in submission. Now he's back at his suffering again. You see what I'm saying? He just keeps, like they were just Jesus saturated. They were just, every, everything, they didn't try to, listen, here's what many of us do. We try to make sense of our suffering, of our sorrow, of our difficulty, and we look and we pull from thousands of other streams trying to make sense, even for our cultural moment. But what if you and I's first response to make sense of what we're facing was to look at the life, ministry, and promises of Jesus? Like, where was it in his life? God, help me to make sense of this. 
because I'm in him. So he's saying, because Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves with the same attitude. Because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly human life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. And what it simply, simply put, what he's saying here is, guys, let suffering produce a greater fruit of righteousness on the inside of you. Like, if you're going to suffer, which he doesn't wish on anybody, we don't want to suffer. I don't want what's... You get what I'm saying? Don't mishear Peter. We're not like seeking suffering. But Peter's like, if you're going through it, and you are, and how many have gone through it? Raise your hand in some way, shape, or form because you wanted to follow Jesus. He's like, if you suffer, allow it to produce a greater fruit of Christ's character in you instead of growing bitter or bailing out and saying it's too hard. Peace, I'm going back to the flesh. I'm going back to sin. That's like a dog returning to its vomit. Second Peter, his second letter. And so he's saying, if you're suffering, lean into it and let the spirit go deeper so that in it, people don't get a viewpoint of, oh, those poor Christians. They get to see the glory of God that's being formed and forged in the fire and affliction of the testing of our faith. Do we understand that? But here, it's a mindset. Everyone say, it's a mindset. That's why he's like, you got to let the same attitude that Jesus Christ possessed become your attitude. And that's, listen, friends, that's a slow process. Has anyone ever had the wrong attitude or am I the only one? How am I going to develop the attitude or another way to put it, 1 Corinthians 2.16, the mindset of Christ? The only way, Brother Charles, back to you, sorry to pick on you all day. I got to get in the word to see how he thought, to see how he thinks, to see how he dealt with rejection, to see he, how he dealt with his own followers abandoning him, his own family thinking he was crazy. Come on, somebody. Jesus knows about family weirdness and dynamics. He's like, if you're suffering, don't get bitter and don't bail out. Let the spirit go deeper. He says, I love this. Verse 3 is for all of us, by the way. For you've spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. Can someone say amen for their testimony before Christ and after Christ? And what Peter's saying is like, you've, 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 you've sown to the flesh long enough. That storyline, temporary fleeting pleasures at best, always leading to emptiness and deeper darkness and despair. So he's like, it's not even an option. Don't go back. I know it's difficult. And he goes on to say in verse 4 and 5, and the ones who live any old way they want, and they see you believers suffering and getting it handed to you, they mock, ha, where is your God now? Really the power, the victory? <laughs> really? He's saying, they're heaping abuse on you, but they're going to have to give an account I told you five or six, seven weeks ago, believers are the only ones on the planet who have the ability to have the long view in mind. Everyone else thinks all that they have is 60, 70, 80 years. Not us. Resurrection. Glory. Future. Heaven. Eternity. Little vapor surrendered to the lordship of Jesus equals an eternity of the aroma of his glory, of his goodness, of his grandeur. This is our hope. 
We're so conditioned to believe that all there is is this, what we see, and it is not the gospel truth. The only way that we'll be able to face the storms that are even increasing and coming is if we develop the same mindset as Jesus. And he's saying it's worth it. Because everyone's going to have to give an account. Everyone. And so he's saying, arm your mindset as the same attitude of Jesus. And what is the mindset of Jesus? I love the garden. I'm so glad that we have that in the Gospels where Jesus is like, God, is there another way? Come on, who's ever prayed that prayer? Is there another way? Am I the only one? Is there another way? Come on, thank you, brother, in the back. Really love them? Really don't live like everyone else. Show some restraint and self-control. Let the fruit of the Spirit grow instead of the flesh just run rampant. Oh. But it looks like, they're so, like their selfie on their story looks so good on Instagram. Like they were having a great time. I love the garden that Jesus is like, Father, is there another way? So the wrestle isn't sin. It's called being a human. But I love in his humanity and in the, the reality of the cup of the, the father's fury and wrath that he was preparing to drink. I love that even in that moment, Jesus makes a way for us when we find ourselves at every crossroad of every difficult conversation and choice that we'll ever face. He's saying, nevertheless, see, we see the son of God realizing the storyline will not end at the cross. I'm going to trust the father to raise me. Because Jesus trusted in the faithfulness of his father there, you and I, no matter the cost or the consequence, we can go the way of obedience because Jesus Christ has made a way for us. It says in Hebrews 5, verse 7 through 10, son though he was, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Not when everything was great and it was just all dialed in and Everyone loved him and he was perfect. When he's abandoned, forsaken, betrayed on the cross, even in that place, he's accomplishing the purposes of his father. That's why I love every person in this room to say this with me. I can be, come on, I can be a success in the kingdom of God, because success equals obeying what he says. That's it. No matter the cost, no matter the consequence. And the world, they're surprised. One of the things I I love, and I'm, I'm trying to grow more confident and courageous in, is we're weird. Turn to your neighbor and just tell them flat out, you're weird. No offense. We are. What other group of people like willfully choose to restrain some things that in the immediate look good, pleasing, and awesome who live for a God that most everyone says is invisible? And yeah, I know what they mean by that, but we're weird. But weird is cool. They're like, why are you restraining? Why aren't you, I love this language of 
Why don't you follow in the sludge and in the sewage of, of dissipation, just living? You're your own God, your own king, and your own queen of your own kingdom. Just do what you want. It revolves around you. But all of us know that the edifices and the foundations of a life lived for me cannot withstand the adversity and storms of life. It just doesn't have the capacity. So he says, don't be surprised. Say that with me. Don't be surprised when your choices, even when you, by going to church or being in a community group or growing in prayer or growing in holiness or serving or whatever it is, like just obeying Jesus in your workplace. Don't be surprised when abuse is heaped on you. Why are you living that way? Is it really worth it? And in that moment, you can say, he is worthy and it is worth it. I'm playing the long game. Say that with me. He is worthy and it is worth it. I'm playing the long game. Come on. And so we'll have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. And here's what's amazing. Many of us, because of whatever reason, bad theology or I don't know what it is, many of us, and, and, and there is a... Hear me. There is a sobering element to the judgment of God. But if you read the Bible and just Google the word judgment, most of the time, many of the times when God's judgment is released, the people of God rejoice because that which is broken is being mended. That which is crooked and off kilter is made straight. And so when God says, I'm coming to judge, yes, it's with fear and trembling. But for believers, it's like, yes, we believe you're going to come and make all things new and make all things right. We want and long for the judgment and justice of God. Amen. And that's a part of our good news. I love that he rele- it's gonna, we're going to get there next week, where he releases his judgments before the judgment, dun, dun, the judgment, the ju- the day. But how many are thankful when he releases his preemptive judgment because it gives us an opportunity to repent and to get in line with the king and his kingdom? How many have felt the judgment of God in their life on occasion where God is saying, I want to deal with this, but praise God he does it now so that when we face him on the judgment day, the final day, no, the jury's done, gavel drop, Thank God he releases in his mercy and kindness and love. Hey, this area in your life, I want to touch it. I want to heal it. I want to bring it into the light. Let's have the conversation. And the more we push it back, the more we stay the flood and flow of what could be the empowering grace of God for our lives. And so I love that when he comes, I've had this, and he comes to bring judgment. He wants to make something crooked in me straight. And instead of saying, God, why are you so grumpy today? He's like, I'm not grumpy. This is for your good. We've got to deal with it. I want to address it. So that you can get on living life as I designed and intended. Can you stand on your feet with me, please? I think it's just unbelievable that Peter ends to these little communities that for all intents and purposes may feel like Noah. They're like, they're they're few in number. 
The flood's coming. They feel outnumbered, hopeless, but he's like, eight people. I saved the world through eight people. Guys, what could God do through Radiant Central Coast? Those who are like, I'll build the ark. I'll just stay here. I'll obey. I'll walk with you, Jesus. Whatever the cost or consequence, you're with me. What would it mean for us, even today, to adopt that same mindset as Jesus? What would it mean today for you and I to reallocate the energy of our heart that is given towards fear, worry, and uncertainty? And we would say, no, angels, authorities, and powers are in submission to him. There's victory today. There's hope today in Jesus. So, Father, I just pray that whatever valley we may feel we're fighting or battle or, 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 or mountain that seems unscalable, I pray the grace of God to touch our church family, those in this room and online today, that we would say yes to having the same mindset and attitude of Jesus. And we just would be those people that say you are worthy and you are worth it because you're with us. Your story, Jesus, is our story. What an unbelievable invitation to find ourselves in you today. And so, Father, right now, for those who feel the squeeze and the pressure, I pray that you'd meet them in that place. You'd change their countenance. You'd change their heart, and they would see you with them in the fire. God, I thank you for every workplace represented, for every neighborhood, for every God, for every club or relational network, for every school, God, I thank you that you've placed your people specifically and strategically for this very hour to be like those little Noahs that build the ark, that stay in the place of obedience. And through that obedience, Lord, you can draw others out of the storm that's coming into the place called salvation of Jesus. And so, God, I pray for your anointing to rest upon every man, woman, boy, and girl in this place. Send us with the unshakable and penetrable hope that is ours through Jesus and his resurrection. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. I love you guys. Come on up if you need prayer. Go talk to Brother Charles out in the lobby. And let's just give it up for Raphael one more time. They're launching here in a half hour.